Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of A Good Drop, where each week and every week we do a little bit of uh, beer tourism and visit the monasteries in the Netherlands and Belgium and Germany and France and a bunch of other places. Yes, yes. We're, we're talking about the Trappists, of course. The Trappist monks. Hmm. And the beer they make. And the beer they make. Trappist beer. So let's find out about Admiral Akbar's favourite beer. It's a Trappist. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. So this turned out to be quite a quite a, a rabbit hole uh, researching this. Like we, uh, well, I don't know about you, but when I was re- researching. I started with Trappist beer and then ended up like six clicks later at something sort of related, but not really. Oh, yeah. It started as a very almost surface level thing, just being interested and then just turned into a pure devotion. Yeah. Much like the beer for the monks. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Very true. Uh, So I'm not entirely sure what style of beer this is because I couldn't find anything specific. Like, obviously, it's Trappist beer, and that's the style, but is it like a, a lager, ale, wheat beer? Oh, so it, it is an ale. It is I, an ale. I know that, yes. What it is, they are mostly top-fermented ales, and they are mainly bottle-conditioned. Yes. Okay. Uh, so, well, I suppose we should mention what the beer we have is, and it is the La Trappe Trappist uh, Quadruple. So they're, they're La Trappe's strongest beer. I guess that means we have to jump right in to an explanation of the naming conventions used for Trappist beers, because well, they're not really common to other things. The, the Enkel is. The Enkel is something that we see in other German and Belgian mm. beers, which basically just means single. Mm. Single strength, single uh, single dose of malt. Um, well, before we get into that, let's define what a Trappist beer is. Because, as you said, it's a top-fermented ale. But what makes it Trappist versus not Trappist? Yeah, well, and that comes down to the monks. Because mm. a Trappist beer, very specifically, to be considered... Trappist by the International Trappist Association, which That's was a thing. <laughs> yeah, which was founded in 1997. The International Trappist Association says that the beer must be brewed within the walls of a Trappist monastery, either by the monks or under their supervision, and the brewery must be secondary in importance within the monastery, and should follow the business practices proper to a monastic way of life and that the brewery must not be a profit-making venture and that the income from it needs to cover the living expenses of the monks, maintenance of the buildings and grounds, and that anything remained should be used for charitable purposes. Hmm. And that is the criteria it has to meet to be considered a Trappist beer. Hmm. Yeah, the uh, eight of the Trappist abbeys in 1997 came together to define it to prevent 
uh, commercial enterprises from claiming the name. Yeah, because many of them were beginning to make beers in a Trappist style. Mm. And it is possible for Trappist monks to do deals with commercial breweries. But it still has to follow these particular uh, requirements. Yeah, it has to follow those rules. And in 2019, so very recently, the International Trappist Association came up with another thing, a authentic Trappist product label that can be applied for by Trappist breweries to stick on their product that says not only are they a Trappist brewery, but they are an authentic Trappist product. Because you can get that for beer, for cheese, for any number of things that come Mm. under the International Trappist Association. But it still has to abide by these particular criteria. Yeah, so the, the exact ones for beer are quite interesting because it says that all products must be made within the immediate grounds of the abbey that is selling the beer, that production must be carried out under the supervision of the monks or nuns, and that profits should be intended for the needs of the monastic community for the purposes of solidarity within the Trappist order or for development projects and charitable works. Now, while it might sound as though any beer that qualifies to be considered Trappist would also meet the criteria for the authentic Trappist product label, that's not actually the case. There is one example being uh, the Trappist Abbey of Saint-Marie-du-Mont-de-Cartes, which has been selling Trappist beer since 2011, but because they have no brewery on site and their beers are produced in the Chime Brewery of the Scormont Trappist Monastery, they don't meet the criteria of the beer having been produced on the grounds of their monastery. Ah, so it's it's kind of like a little loophole that means they get taken out. Yeah, so it means that they qualify for the International Trappist Association label, but not the not the product not the product label because mm. it's being produced at a different Trappist monastery. But they're the ones selling it. Yeah, it's still Trappist beer. Yeah, but not the, it, they're not allowed to have that little icon in the corner of their label to say authentic Trappist product. Yeah, and it's a very it's a very monk sort of icon. It's very <laughs> understated and yeah subtle. No bells and whistles, nothing fancy mm. to it. So, technically, we are drinking charity today. Technically. Yes, because all the money from this would have gone either towards maintaining monks or something charitable. Hmm. I, I mean, aside from the costs involved in getting it to Australia and being sold in Australia. Yes, well, profits. Obviously, it covers its own production costs first, and then yeah. profits go towards these other things. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so, so our uh, the uh, um, there are cu- so there are currently fourteen active Trappist breweries as of January twenty nineteen. There are uh, six in Belgium, two in the Netherlands, 
and one each in Austria, Italy, England, France, Spain, and the United States. Yeah, and the uh, the US one is quite recent. I I wonder why. <laughs> yeah, it's not really a place you think of when you think of old school monks. Because mm. the or even just monasteries in general. Yeah, but the, the Trappists are very old school. And I suppose let's let's talk about them briefly while we're talking about them briefly anyway. Yeah. Because they are more formally known as the Order of Cistercians of the Strict Observance. Well, I'm glad you pronounced that because I would have said something different. <laughs> and they are a Roman Catholic contemplative order with history that stretches back hundreds of years and roots that go even before that. The monasteries of Trappist monks and nuns are affiliated with the larger Cistercian family, which traces its origins back to the late 11th century. In 1098, Saints Robert, Alberic, and Stephen founded the monastery of Citeaux outside of Dijon, France, with the purpose of refreshing the institutional forms of monastic life and returning to a stricter following of the rule of St. Benedict. Now, the rule of St. Benedict, which was written in the 6th century, maps out the expectations of Trappist monks and nuns with an emphasis on authentic poverty and simplicity in the liturgy, manual work, and non-involvement in secular affairs. And the rule dictates the day-to-day life of Trappists, including much spiritual reflection and observance, along with a balance of work, reading, and study. Now, additional reforms occurred throughout the history of the Trappists, including one near Normandy, France, during the 17th century, led by the Abbot of La Trappe in hopes of returning to a more pure following of the rule of St. Benedict. And that's how the Trappist name came to be. So today, there has actually been an increase in Trappist monasteries around the world, but the total number of monks and nuns in the order has been decreasing. And this is slightly concerning, because without Trappist monasteries, there can be no Trappist breweries. And without Trappist breweries, there can be no Trappist beer. Mm. Become a monk. Go. (laughs) Do it. For the good of the beer. Well, interesting you should say that, because there was a bit of controversy with um, with La Trappe, because uh, as they were... You know, producing beer, the the monks are getting, uh, yeah, the monks are getting older, and so they uh, basically contracted a commercial brewery to help them continue brewing the beer. Um, but the International Trappist Association decided, or looked into it, and uh, came to the conclusion that there's too much commercial interest in this. In the in the beer making, and so re- revoked their uh, Trappist beer thing. Where is my brain at today? License. Yeah, the the Trappist license. Yeah, and so for about a decade and a half, they were unable to produce the beer as an authentic Trappist product. Yeah, and that is, I mean, key in everything that um, that we've said about what makes it Trappist beer so far is that the monastery and religion has to come first and the mm. brewery has to be secondary. It has to be a monastery with a brewery, not a brewery with a monastery attached. Correct. And so after some, after talks and 
I guess, revamping of the the monastic way of life, they are uh, they are now back in the order. I guess they've been uh, re- reasserted. They have reasserted their uh, place in the Trappist product line. So the monks uh, oversee more of the production than they had been doing. Yeah, which is important because they need to be supervising it or it doesn't count. Yep. And speaking of supervising, we've been supervising these beers that are warming up on our bench. Yes, we should probably taste them Mm. and I guess then talk through the different types of Trappist beers. So we are drinking the La Trappe Trappist Quadruple. And it... um, Did you sip it before saying cheers? I smelled it. (laughs) I smelled it. And it immediately smells quite fruity. Oh, yeah. And and malty. Yeah. There's a lot of malt there. And really oh. has no suggestion of how strong it is mm. in the smell. Cheers. Cheers. Whoa. Holy wow. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure that holy was the right thing to have said, or maybe it was the perfect thing to have said. Holy moly. Mm. Um, wow. That... Um, it definitely tastes like an ale. Taste, tastes, um, yeah, definitely tastes like it's from Europe. Oh yeah, I it's... can't say I've had a, a beer from the Netherlands yet, but uh, it tastes kind of like a like a Belgian beer or a German beer. Mm, it does, and I suppose it's it's that sort of a style mm. that they're made in. It's it's rich and it's creamy and it's fruity and it's malty. Yeah. And it's got a kick to it. Can you feel that warmth when you're mm, breathing out now? But it is far too easy to drink for something this strong. Yeah. Well, good, good thing it's pricey. Yeah, there's actually... I'm getting a slight banana aftertaste. Yeah, definitely. It's... I remember there's a specific kind of... Um, I, I, I remember one of the first uh, craft breweries... I went to was a little place in Canberra and they had a beer that tasted like banana and they I think I think they said that's because it's um heated somehow ah. or hot like hotter than normal right it's, it's a very long time since I left Canberra yeah well yeah and I have had a banana beer at a Belgian beer place, and it was it was odd because it was intended to be banana flavored. This, it, I think, the banana flavor is just sort of circumstantial. Well, it, it kind of tastes like a banana smoothie because there's banana, there's vanilla, um, there's a little bit of some other fruit in there, and it even has a texture reminiscent of a smoothie. Yeah, it's very creamy. It really is, and boozy AF. Yes. So <laughs> let's go into why, because this is, of course, the quadruple, mm. which the numbers that they tend to use in the namings of these things refers to the general gravity and malt mm. of the beer. And so the uh, the ankle, as I mentioned earlier, which means single, is usually used to describe a brewery's lightest beer, and is often used interchangeably with the term Patty's beer, mm. which means father's beer, because uh, Enkels were a weaker beer originally 
brewed for consumption by the monks themselves. Yeah. However, that has been... Well, with La Trappe, it's been... That particular beer has been discontinued and they've started using Blonde instead. Yeah, though a lot of other beer makers, commercial ones more so, have taken on the term Ankle and just started using it to refer to a light German or Belgian beer. Mm. And yeah, we see a few of those now. Yeah. Now, the uh, Double or Double is a type of beer that originated in 1856 in the Trappist in the Trappist Abbey of West Marley, Westmall, some something with a name that has West and M A W L E in it. I'm pronouncing it terribly, so West West Mal. We'll stick with that. And doubles are a fairly strong brown ale with a uh, pretty heavy body. They are. Uh, they have uh, an understated bitterness and a pronounced fruitiness and cereal character. The uh, average ABV is about 6 to 8% for a double. Now, the triple or triple is the name traditionally used by Belgian Trappist breweries to describe the strongest beers in their range. The Westmal triple, which was developed in the 1930s, is considered to have been the foundation of the style. Mm. And that that comes in at about nine and a half percent. Yeah. Sorry, it's, it's strong. Yeah, they, they average between eight and ten percent. But the quadruple is the name for the De Koning Schoen brewery in the Netherlands and uh, a number of other breweries as well, but I believe the De Koning showing the De Koning Chauvin Brewery were the first to do it Yeah, for a strong, originally seasonal beer that has an average ABV of 9.1 to 14.2%. That's, that's stout levels. And yeah. it, it is kind of reminiscent of a stout too. Well, like the, the flavors are wrong, but the mouthfeel... The mouthfeel is very much there. And and the the boldness of the flavors is reminiscent of a stout. Yeah. Without obviously without the bitterness. You know, interestingly, quadruple or quad has actually become a generic trademark for wow. a um strong dark ale in the US and a number of other countries. Hmm. Interesting. Where a, a beer might say quadruple or quad and it has nothing to do with Trappist beer at all, it's just a strong dark ale. Mm. Well, this ale is not especially dark. It is, well, it, I suppose it's dark for an ale. It's not a pale ale. Yeah, but I suppose that's the thing. They're they're not using that name in the same way. Mm. It's it's very. Uh, it's an orange gold versus, uh, I suppose, a straw gold. No, gold. it's it's a color that's slightly reminiscent. If you look at an amber ale, yeah. Because they use amber amber malt. Yeah, so it, it's reminiscent of that, though a dark amber color, but hmm. like the uh, the color of that of the amber chunk that um, what's his name has in Jurassic Park. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm thinking Richard Hammond, but it's not Richard Hammond. It's is it? uh, John Hammond. John Hammond, yes. Yeah, Richard Hammond is um, Stargate. No, no, no. R- Richard Hammond is the Grand Tour. Oh, 
And Top Gear. That's right. Well, there is a, a Hammond in Stargate. Mm, and I think BBC Radio. But no, the Hammond in Stargate is, <laughs> is a different Hammond again. Too many Hammonds. And there's a there's an organ named after that name as well. Yeah. This is amazing, though. Oh, it is. It's it's unique. It is nothing like I've had before. Yeah, this is this is a a life changing beer. If there was such a thing, <laughs> it makes me want to go to a monastery and buy a keg. A keg. <laughs> if they would sell me a keg of it, only if they're going towards charitable causes. Well, yes. You have to gift this beer. We we would be that. Well, they they just take the money from it <laughs> and they put that to a charitable cause. So so you we, don't have to put the beer towards a charitable. No, we charitable are the charitable cause. cause that the beer goes towards. <laughs> And the money we paid for it goes towards whatever project they decide. Hmm. True. True. But, yeah, this is incredible. And it's it's held its head remarkably well. Mm. Like In- Interesting both, that uh, mine still has more head than yours. Yeah, when I poured mine with such thick head right to the top of the glass yeah. for, for juxtaposition. And it looked good in the picture. It did. And that was probably more proper than the way I poured it because I have been known to be far too gentle pouring beers. Yeah, and it depends on the beer. Some beers want a lot of head and some don't. And I think Mm. this style generally wants you to fill the glass with the head. Yeah. Uh, They are generally served in goblet or chalice-style glasses, Um, but I do not own those style of glasses yet. Yeah, though dark, strong ales do also lend themselves quite well to steins. Mm. Or uh, wine glasses. Yes. As we worked out in our blind beer episode. Yeah. That was a fantastic journey of discovery, that one. It really was. Like stout in a in a wine glass? Who'd have thought? Yeah, and yet it worked so well. Oh, it was Amazing. And that that's how I drink my IPAs now. I drink them in a, a wine glass. Well, why not? It, it's very close in shape to the glass that they designed for it. Yeah. yeah. So the, um, the, the numbers that they use on the... To, to describe the beers, that the ankle, uh, double, triple, quadruple, etc. They are a... Uh, throwback to how they would differentiate the beers in the uh, barrels. Yes, that's right. They would put crosses on them with the number of crosses on the barrel being indicative of the amount of malt that had been put in that particular batch. Mm. And therefore ended up being how strong it was going to be. Yeah, exactly. Now, when I read that, I thought, okay, are we talking crosses like X's or crosses like crucifixes? That's a dangerous because because <laughs> this is this is monks. Yeah. So, you know, how holy is the beer? That's the question. Crosses or pluses, I suppose. Yeah. I don't know. There's, I couldn't see anything to say either way. Yeah. No. Ne- neither could I. But I wouldn't. You know, because this is they're very religiously minded people, mm. and they're driven by their devotion to their religion. So it sort of makes sense that the beer, which is the method by which they're able to carry out their good deeds and good works, Mm. would perhaps end up being emblazoned, at least in the cask, with some form of 
religious icon. I would hope so. The uh, bottles, however, don't have a a number of crosses on them. The, the emboss they they've embossed the the bottle with the uh, the, the word Trappist and a fantastic logo. Um, aside from the label, so they've gone all out with the styling of the bottle. I mean, yeah. as much as you can with a beer. Uh, it, it looks great. Yeah. Well, you'll see it in the photo, guys. Yeah. It looks... they These photographed amazingly well. Yes, you can actually see what we're talking about right now. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, yeah, it even says ale on the bottle. So, La Trappe Quadruple is epi- epi- eponymous is eponymous of this sti- this ale style. A full, warming, and intensive taste, multi with the sweet tones of date and caramel. Oh, date's that fruit that I'm tasting. Uh. So it's not exactly banana, but de- but dates. Right, yeah. it's just been so long since you've had a date that you don't remember. Oh, low blow, mate. <laughs> low blow. <laughs> uh, multi with sweet tones of... Date and caramel. Uh, serving temperature 10 to 14 degrees. Ah. And I think we, we may have served it spot on. It would have been because, a little cold. But we left it with. sit. Yes. And so by the time we drank it, it was probably right. It's probably about right now too. Because mm. the steins weren't in the freezer. And uh, steins generally have a lot of glass in them. So the, uh, so they, they hold a lot of whatever room temperature is. Oh, these these are amazing. Well worth the the money I spent on the four pack. The, yeah, but like even though I'm saying that these are expensive, they are uh like craft beer equivalent prices. So not really that expensive in the grand scheme of things. No, well, and when you consider that this is Australia, yeah. and these are an import, yeah. And so imports cost more already. Yeah, and you look at the percentage of this, and in Australia, imports pay based on the amount of alcohol in them. Mm-hmm. So that's actually pretty good. If you're not in Australia, you can probably get these beers at a really good price. A much better price, especially the uh, American branch of American uh, Monastery of the Trappist Association. Well, yes, if you happen to be in the US, you could just go there. Yeah. Because apparently they very much do a cellar door style thing at a lot of Trappist monasteries. Mm. If you want to do, like we said in the intro, if you want to do a bit of beer tourism, you can go there and have a tour of the monastery and the brewery. So, I think it is probably about that time that we should... Assign bottle caps, because this is a new thing that we've never tried before. How many bottle caps would you give this Trappist Quadruple Ale? Well, based if if I'm judging it based on the quality and... Well, if I'm judging it based... Judging it compared to... Uh, beers of the same general price bracket. Uh, 
yeah, this I'm going to rate this very, very highly. I'm going to rate this a nine and a half. Yeah, and I think judging it against other things in the price bracket or even against other things of a similar style, mm. I would still have to give it a nine, nine and a half because it is amazing how good this beer is. Yeah, this is this is one of the best beers I've have ever had, hands down. Yeah, like it, it's not often that we record an episode and I think, I want to go to a bottle shop now and buy some of this. But that is very much the thought that I am having. The, well, there's in Australia, there's only a couple of places that have it. Um, our favorite bottle shop doesn't list it online, um, but I was able to find it in store somewhere. Interesting. Mm. So they have it, but they don't have it. Yeah. Probably because it's so hard to find, and I'm thinking that this particular store... Uh, just ordered a bunch because, you know, that's the kind of weird thing that sells. Yeah. So why does it lose half a point for you? Well, there is. I have to leave that buffer in case somewhere <laughs> along the line I find something that absolutely knocks my socks off. Like, this is amazing. But it doesn't knock your socks off? Well, I'm still wearing my socks, so no, I guess not. <laughs> It's, it's yeah, amazing, but what if there's something better and I've already given this a 10? Just because it's better doesn't mean it can't also be a 10. I've got to leave that space. <laughs> because um, the perfect beer exists, and one day I'll find it, and it'll get a 10. Right. Uh, this loses half a point for me because it because of how boozy it is. This is, you, you can't drink more than one without getting drunk. Oh, yeah, it's strong. Without a doubt, is mm. it's strong. So 10, 10% over 330 mils, that is strong. Mm. Though it doesn't taste strong, which mm. is something that I really like about it. But at the same time, that makes it a dangerous beer. Yeah, precisely. So there, there's my half a point. I see. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely going to pick up another pack of this, I think. This is something you need to try. Yeah, and it is well worth the money. Mm. Well worth the entry fee. And mm. you know that the uh, profits are going to a good cause. Yeah, exactly. The It's supporting monks and their charitable deeds. Precisely. Yeah, instead of supporting... Some dude's pocket. Yeah, some massive <laughs> conglomerate like... I don't know. D'Angio. Yeah. <laughs> or had no hand in this at all. No. Remarkably. It was um, a Trois at one point. A Trois Breweries. Yeah. And of course, this was imported by Heron Beverages, who I've never heard of. Me neither. So if you liked what you heard, everybody, be sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. We are a good drop all about alcohol on your favorite podcast app including Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and many more. You can also find us on the socials, Facebook and Instagram as a good drop podcast. Mm. And if you want to jump on our website, agooddrop.com.au, you can find our library of over 130 previous episodes where we talk about weird beers, great beers, not beers... 
spirits, wines, etc. And if you've had a Trappist beer, we would love to hear from you. Send us an email to agooddrop at gmail.com. And do be sure to tune in to our next episode when we are back to the blind. Hmm. Another blind taste test. Blind taste testing bourbon. Bourbon. A classic American spirit. Until next time, cheers. Cheers. Cheers.